You're listening to Fit Girl, Your Guide to Getting in Shape, podcast episode number 236. In this episode, the next step you need to take to maintain motivation, ab exercises you need to stop doing, and what more can I say about nutrition? I'm Kira Langolf, your host and guide to getting in shape. As a professional fitness trainer, it's my job to get clients in shape quickly and keep them healthy. In this podcast, I'll reveal to you the shape-up secrets I use along with training, nutrition, and motivational tips and advice. I'll set you straight on what works and what is a waste of time, and I'll be your guide to your best body ever. Check out my websites at fitnessmakeover.com and coachkira.com. Well, I got to be honest with you, I had a hard time thinking of what to discuss in this podcast. I mean, I feel like I've kind of gone over everything. I know a lot of people like repetition just because the more you hear something, the more you'll remember it. So um, I figured out what I'm going to talk about, and here we go. Uh, first of all, we were kind of doing a step-by-step for motivation. So that's where we're going to pick up, kind of where we left off in the last episode. And that was determining your true, deep why, which is why do you want to get in shape or why do you want to be healthy and finding that deep inner meaning. Now, hopefully you took a couple of cues from the podcast last time and wrote down your true deep why, or at least thought about it, because this is the key to your motivation. You know, you have to know deep down inside what's important to you. Now, if you need help finding that true deep why, you might need to listen to the podcast a couple of times. Um, You can always contact me for a power session. I do those a lot with people that need some better focus or a review of their program. Um, Anyways, you can find that at coachkira.com. But once you know your true deep why, then you can actually examine what is holding you back from getting what you want. Now, that leads us to discovering your limiting beliefs. And you may have heard that before, maybe you haven't. I know we go over it quite a bit in the Fitness Makeover workshops because this is a very important key to success in anything you do. And yes, in case you're wondering, I am also working on a Fitness Makeover workshop version for online interactive training. And yes, we are getting really close to relaunching the QuickFit Uh, website again, but I'm going to get back to that later because there's some more information I want to give you on that. But anyways, um, let's get a little bit deeper into this whole subject and see why you are, well, self-sabotaging. Because basically, if you know your true deep why and you're still not accomplishing what you want, something's holding you back and it's causing you to self-sabotage. I think we've all done that at one time or another. And it may not be real obvious, but you can look back and kind of Think about your accomplishments or maybe things that you couldn't finish or didn't finish and figure out what was going on. So the limiting beliefs are actually the things that are holding you back from getting what you want. Now, you can have all the good intentions in the world and you can have the best workout program, the best diet, the best support. But if you have these limiting beliefs, your success is basically doomed from the start. So what do you do about them? Well, first... We're going to talk about what they are. Limiting beliefs tie in greatly with your self-talk. They're kind of those false statements that ricochet in your head and sabotage your efforts. Things that you might say to yourself like, oh, I'm so fat, or oh, I can never get there on time, when in fact, 
it's not necessarily true. Maybe you just have a few pounds to lose. Maybe once in a while you're late. But limiting beliefs are taken by your subconscious mind as 100% absolutely true. So that's why we always, at least in the fitness makeover program, we say don't fish for compliments because you know what? Your subconscious mind doesn't know the difference. It's going to take what you tell it as real. Now, these are words, phrases, feelings that are on what is called your belief window. Now, your belief window is kind of like your rose-colored glasses. Um, and anything that is on those is how you see. It's your perspective. It's how you view your world. Now, it doesn't have to be right or wrong or true or false. It's whatever's on there. And that is what you and your subconscious mind takes as the truth. So whatever you say, whatever you think, your belief window is going to reflect that, whether it's true or not. And that's why it is so important that you catch negative self-talk and change it because your brain doesn't know the difference, your subconscious mind doesn't know the difference. And if you keep wondering why you're making the same mistakes over and over again, well, that's why. So how do you change what's on your belief window? How do you change these limiting beliefs that are holding you back from achieving what you want? Well, first thing is to recognize your self-talk and then begin to uncover some of those layers in your thought process that lead you to have those thoughts. And basically finding out your limiting beliefs, because those are the things that are, when you say to yourself, I can't do that, or I'm not good at this, what makes you feel that way? What makes you think that way? And then you correct them. It's basically as simple as changing a statement. Now, we sometimes call it the I am statement, which is very similar. You can certainly change I'm always late to I am occasionally late. It's usually better to put it in the positive and say, I get to where I need to go on time. And that's it. You don't need to add anything like but or and or anything like that. Less is more. Small sentences to change the ones that are not productive so that you can make it a habit. And yeah, that would be a habit with your thought patterns, just the same as any other habit you might develop. It's just that constant repetition. And remember, habits can be good or bad. So the more thoughts you have that are destructive, the worse off you're going to be. So the more you can change those to being productive and writing them down, keeping them in front of you, making part of your routine to say them every day, this is what's going to create those new beliefs on your belief window. Now, remember, even if you know your true deep why and you're working on your belief window, you know, you can still get off track, especially if that belief window has a whole lot of different wrong messages on it. And sometimes they're all the same. They're just variations. So those are things you want to look for. Look for variations along the same theme. And a lot of times you'll find it. Now, in the Mindset Makeover book, I give you worksheets and guides to help you figure out what is on your belief window right now. And of course, from there, you can figure out your limiting beliefs and you can correct them so that you start moving towards what you want. Now, there's actually a whole couple of chapters on this subject, but I'm going to go over a few of the examples right now with you so you have a better understanding of what is on the belief window, how to change it, and what it can do for you. But before I get into that example, I am going to say it is obviously National Fly Over My House Day. I mean, I thought we just got our acoustics figured out and straightened out, and now I just keep hearing planes fly back and forth. But if you don't hear it, then that's okay. I hope you don't. But if you do, 
I'm sorry. It's either that or not do the podcast. And I think I've waited too long for this one. So anyways, back to our belief windows and limiting beliefs. Now, one that I hear a lot from clients is that I, I always fail. Everything I do, I fail. I try to lose weight and I fail. I tried to diet and I failed. Um, exercise doesn't work for me because I fail. And that is a very, very scary limiting belief because if you always think you're going to fail, you're going to fail because you know what, deep down inside, you're not going to put in as much effort as you could if you knew you were going to succeed. So you need to take a step back and look and say, you know what, really, do I really, really fail in everything? Yeah, probably not. And I'm going to give you an idea of some things that I can pretty much guarantee you do successfully every single day. Now, I think you successfully dress yourself, you maintain your hygiene, you brush your teeth, you read, maybe not a book, but you can, you read different things throughout the day. You, did I say breathe already? I can't remember. But anyways, you communicate to other people, um, you function, your eyes blink. I mean, these are all things that you do successfully every day. And I'm sure there are a whole lot more that you could write down, you know, so go ahead and make a list of them. And remember that, yeah, there's a lot of things that you can do that you don't fail at. Now, what you're doing when you say, I always fail, is you're globalizing this belief, and it's a false belief, that you fail at everything. You're saying, I failed at one thing, therefore I fail at everything. And you know that's not true. So that's one big thought that can be holding you back from success that you definitely need to change. So how do you change that? Well, it's very simple. You can change it into an I am statement. Um, you could say, I am doing my best. You don't always have to mention the exact, you know, bad phrase in there. Um, but you could also make a power statement, which is a little bit longer than an I am statement. And you could say something such as, if I don't succeed the first time, then I've learned what not to repeat. A new strategy can help me improve. Now that's a little bit longer. It might not be as easy to come into your head right away, but it is a great uh, phrase to write down on a regular basis. So that after a while, when something doesn't go right, you automatically say to yourself, okay, I've, I've learned something. I've learned what not to do. Now let me try a new way to do it. So instead of just saying, oh, I fail, you're going to redirect the way your brain thinks about things when you don't accomplish them, whether it's, you know, not finished or maybe you didn't do your best job or whatever the case may be. Now, I know sometimes I struggle with this one too, and it was kind of, my previous false belief was uh, everything I do comes out wrong, uh, to which I have changed that, especially with the new house. I say to myself, you know what, I do it the first time and find out what I need to do better the second time. So rather than saying everything I do comes out wrong, I just say to myself, you know what, the first time is a great run through, and the second time I do it even better. And the more I say that, the more I... I believe it, I accept it, and I don't get upset when something doesn't go right the first time. And believe me, there's been a lot of things in repairing this house that haven't gone right the first time. But I've learned from them, that's for sure, and uh, got better with them each time I did those things. Another false belief that gets stuck on many people's belief windows, especially if you struggle with your weight, is that I am fat, or diets don't work for me, or I don't like to exercise. And you might even have all three of those. And you can understand why that's going to lead you to that self-sabotage because those are not supportive or productive thoughts. So changing them to, I can 
eat the way I want when I choose. You know, some days you don't want to eat all perfectly and healthy, so that's okay as long as it's not every single day. And certainly it isn't all the time. So changing that thought, not only is it going to help you feel better on the days that maybe you slip a little bit, but it's also going to help your subconscious mind direct you to the way you want to eat and tell you that you are in control of what you eat, what you put in your mouth. You're completely in control of that. Sometimes it's easier than others, but ultimately you're the one that puts the food in your mouth. So changing that to a power statement, maybe something such as I am always in control of what I eat. I make the right choices every day. The thing I want you to remember the most is that whatever you tell your subconscious mind or whatever is written on your belief window, your mind takes 100% as true. So make sure you are feeding your brain true statements. Just like you have to train your muscles and you have to eat the right foods, it's your mind and your brain and the way you view things that's going to make a difference in whether you succeed or not. Like I said at the beginning of this, you can have the best program and you can have the best diet and you can even have the best support. But if your head, your subconscious, your mind, your thought process does not follow what you want, it's not going to happen. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've had people say things like, I, I'm so fat, I can never lose weight. And these things just perpetuate in their head. Now, part of them are looking for those compliments. Oh, no, you're not. You look great, blah, blah. But, you know, other ones are just so used to saying it that they have accepted it. And when you call them on it, they'll say, no, 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 I really do want to lose weight. But you realize that, you know what, the more you say that, the more your mind says, I am a person that can't lose weight. And that's not what you are. Everybody can lose weight. It's just some things work better for others. And a lot of times there's little teeny mistakes or little things that are not most effective that people are wasting their time on. And you know, we're going to get into some abdominal exercises that are a waste of time in the next segment. So stay tuned for that. Now there's a lot more examples I could go on with, but I'm going to save those for another podcast, or you can feel free to put your own on the Facebook page or email me or whatever, and I can help you work with them. That's actually one of the things we do in our power sessions is we work through some of these um, self-sabotaging habits or self-talk and change them and work on fixing that. That is such a major, major part of whether you succeed or not. And not just in weight loss, but in everything in life. And it's an important thing to catch for other people, especially if you have children. You know, sometimes these negative phrases come out of their mouths too, and you, you know it's not true. So help them fix it. You know, help them get those positive statements into their brain. Let that become the habit. Now, one thing I want you to do is stop and think for a while You how much time you spend training, how much time you spend making your food or thinking about your foods. And tell me, do you spend the same amount of time working on your brain? And if I told you that the only thing you really had to work on was your brain and you would have the body that you've always wanted, would you be willing to spend the amount of time that you need to on it? Now, I know you're wondering how much time is that? Well, let's say 15 minutes a day. You know, would you be willing to spend 15 minutes a day working on the way you think to help you get the body you want? Because I tell you what, it's 10,000 times faster when your brain supports your actions. And that's also why we recommend keeping a diary when you're trying to lose weight, because not only are you being honest about your food intake, but you can use that to write the supportive statements. Writing retains. So the more you write, the better 
it's going to stick in your head. And then these thoughts become your own. And you know what? It's another habit. It's a good habit, though, that supports you and what you want most. Now, first of all, in training, if you've checked out the Quick Fit Club site, there's a couple of new videos on there. And um, you'll want to probably do them just because of about what I'm going to tell you. I wanted to know, did you laugh as hard as I did when I fell off the ball? Well, what happened was I actually slipped off the ball because the flooring was still quite slippery and I don't know. Anyways, I laughed. I laughed when I did it. I'm still laughing now uh, because you know what? You got to laugh at yourself. But I'm going to tell you what is no laughing matter, you like that segue, um, is how many people I see still today in the gym doing the same useless abdominal exercises. And these exercises can potentially be harmful as well. Now, I have an article um, that explains a lot of this stuff in technical terms. No, I, I didn't write the article, but I've ref I'm referencing an article, and it's by uh, Dr. Len Kravitz, and he's actually studied and researched all this stuff quite a bit, and to be honest with you, I've attended several of, of his lectures, and you know, I'm always really impressed with him and the amount of knowledge and the accuracy of his information. So I will put that link in the podcast notes in case you want to read the entire article, and it's a good reference article because you know what? It really point blank tells you that when you're doing this movement, this is what you're training. You may think you're doing this, but you're not. And those are some of the things that we're going to go through in this section. So basically, I'm just going to crush some of those common abdominal training exercises and habits that um, you may even be doing now that are pointless, or at least not training the muscles you think they should be training. Now, can we at least start out with the fact that you cannot spot reduce? You can't do a million abdominal exercises and expect your waist to be really small. Not going to happen. Okay? Body fat is body fat. You have to reduce your body fat if you want to see any of those muscles. And when you are losing body fat, you tend to lose it from where you have the least amount first. So keep that in mind. That's another subject. Now, I know we've gone over this in some previous podcasts. It may have been so long ago that you may have forgotten. So let's go a little bit of a review with these abdominal exercises. Now, the hip flexors we've talked about can be the downside of your abdominal training because they try to take over every single movement. Um, those are right up there to where your belt, where your thigh attaches to your hip. If not, you know, I mean, if you're not sure where, go look it up. Um, but they will definitely give you a false sense that you're working your abdominals. And you're not working your abdominals at all. And a lot of times I'll have people tell me, oh, yeah, I feel it. And then when I say, well, point to where you feel it, they're pointing to their hip flexors, not the abdominals. So number one, that's the most important reason why you should know what muscle and where it is that you are targeting. And, you know, secondly, you want to, don't want to waste your time doing an exercise that's not doing what you want it to be doing for you. Now, exercises that are completely guilty of this, of having the hip flexors take over and doing the work instead of the abdominals are your full sit-ups, which I hope, you know, nobody does anymore, um, your leg raising exercises. Now, those are your um, hanging leg raises are definitely a culprit. And even exercises where you're laying down and doing the leg raising will involve very little of the abdominals and definitely use the hip flexors. Actually, they'll challenge your hip flexors more than your abdominals. 
And what the problem is with all of this is it tends to perpetuate that whole muscle imbalance, the one between the abdominals, which are usually weaker, and the hip flexors, which tend to be stronger when it comes to abdominal movements. So your hip flexors continue to get stronger because they continue to do the ab exercise. Your abs don't get stronger, so they continue to get weaker. And it's that vicious cycle until you stop and realize that, hey, if you're doing a real hanging leg raise, working the abdominals, you might only be able to do one or two because you've got to tilt the hips at the top. It's got nothing to do with your legs coming knee to chest. It has everything to do with your tailbone getting tipped forward or you're getting like a a pelvic tilt, that is what's going to activate those abdominals. Otherwise, it's just a static contraction and you're really not doing anything to shape your muscles. Now, the goal of your abdominal training would be to have the maximum involvement of your abdominals, right? And of course, you want to minimize the involvement of the hip flexors. And, you know, we do this for other exercises, like for biceps, we may do it seated or we may be very firm in the midsection so that we don't swing back and forth as we're doing the weight. But for some reason, that all goes out the door when it gets to abdominals. We pretty much use momentum almost more than actually the right muscle. So we're going to clear up some of this confusion and, well... Although I say this, I'm sure you're going to see people in the gym doing these exercises forever, and I'm sure they'll argue with you that, uh, no, this definitely works their abdominals. And you know what? That kind of goes back to the belief window. They think they feel it in the abdominals, even though they're probably feeling it more in the hip flexor or the back, and it's written on their, on their belief window that says, if I do this, I will be training my abdominals and my waist will get skinny. And we know that's all wrong, but... It's up to them to change their belief window. Maybe you should recommend this podcast for them. So the first one is your standing side-to-side exercises. Now, you've probably seen people do these. They're kind of tilting from one side to the other. And they tend to think that that's going to get the obliques and the side of the waist and um, the love handles. And, oh, yeah, that's definitely going to trim that down. Well, no, it's not. You are moving your spine one side to the other side. That's called lateral flexion. Okay, it's got nothing to do with the abdominals or the external obliques. Now the reason this exercise doesn't really do much for the abdominals is because those deeper spinal muscles perform the exercise much more efficiently than your abdominal exercises. As a matter of fact, your primary mover for this exercise, the muscle that's getting the most activity during the exercise is called the quadratus lumborum muscle which if you want to know where it is and where it starts and whatever, go read that article that I referenced and it'll all make sense. But it's actually a muscle that is only lateral in movement. So you're not going to get anything out of it for the abdominals. I mean, yes, technically it is part of the abdominal system. So I guess you, if you wanted to train the quadratus lumborum, that would be a great exercise to do it. But if you're doing that exercise to get rid of your love handles, forget it. You're wasting your time. Now, you may say that, well, I feel sore after, afterwards, so it works, so I'm going to keep doing it. But you know what? The soreness is actually, actually a result of overstretching those muscles. And yeah, that can cause it. You know that with other muscles, it does it. Same thing here. And it also has to do a lot of times with doing the movements way too fast. And I know you see a lot of people do things way too fast in the gym, Definitely abdominals and definitely anything that has a bending or twisting motion with abdominals. And not only is that not going to work, but it's 
very, very dangerous and definitely has the potential for some lower back and spine injuries. Now, I see it all the time, but that doesn't mean that you have to do it, okay? Just because other people are doing them fast, even if they look really great, doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. Slow, controlled movements are always, always the most important part of any exercise you do, and even more so for abdominal training because there's so many other muscles that can take over, and then you can be just doing exercises that don't even hit your abdominals and wonder, you know, why they're not getting stronger, or why you're all lean, but you don't really see much in as far as shape goes in the abdominals. So the bottom line is this. Side bends are also called alternating lateral flexion of the trunk is an effective exercise for increasing lateral range of motion for the spine, not for trimming the waist. So based on that, what you want to write on your belief window is that side bends don't trim my waist. I mean, that's, it's that simple, okay? They work to increase my range of motion in that particular motion, that side-to-side -side motion for your spine, which could be very useful if you do those kind of motions in your day-to-day -day work. I'd really have to sit here and think about what that would be, but anyways, that's what it would be for. So side bends should not be part of your routine anymore. Now we're going to go ahead and review one more abdominal exercise. There's obviously a lot more that I can go through, but I can only do one thing at a time. Um, and in the past podcast, I used to just pick one topic. We didn't have all three in one podcast. So if you want to go back to seeing that, just let me know. Send me email, Facebook, whatever. Um, so anyways, the second exercise that I still see people doing, and I also see golfers doing this, which drives me nuts, um, is the standing rotation exercises. For some reason, golfers think that the swing only works one way, and it doesn't. It works both ways, and there's different muscles you need to strengthen on both sides. But anyways, whole other subject. Um, anyways, the standing rotation exercises. Very ineffective. Still see people doing them. Still see them doing them too fast. Um, sometimes I'll see them do them with straight arms and kind of moving side to side with against a rubber band. Um, that seems to be something that somebody started at my gym and everybody else follows. I don't know why. Unfortunately, I don't have the time to go and help every single person there. If I did, I would well, never be anywhere else. But anyways, um, just keep in mind, if you see a lot of people doing it, doesn't always mean that it is right. And, you know, with these exercises, they're always done pretty fast. I mean, well, not always, but most of the time done fast. Again, another problem for the lower back. You know, you, you put on some exercise resistance and, you know, that's a sure, sure sign that you can injure yourself. Now, there are some rotational exercises that are good for sports, such as golf or tennis, but they're done on either side, not just one-sided. And you know what? They're, they're done in a different controlled manner. And they are not done to decrease the waist. They are done to train the spinal muscles. And that's what you're doing with those types of exercises. Now, a high rotation and a high speed and excessive weight can definitely cause some major stress and wear and tear on the spinal vertebrae, and nobody wants that. So even if you're doing them for sport, you must do them slowly. Now, I know certain clubs have equipment that actually have um, a trunk rotation, and you can add resistance to it. And again, even if you do add resistance, just because there's plates that go to 100 pounds doesn't mean that you should be doing 100 pounds. 
okay? But again, that rotation where you're sitting upwards, um, and sometimes they have them where you're laying down, there's still room for error, and there is still potential harm to be done. And you're still not going to be doing it to whittle down the waist. You're working the spinal muscles. So keep that in mind. Your bottom line for this one is that rotational exercises are not going to slim your abs. You're better off doing other ab exercises that work. And which ones work? Well, listen to some of the past podcasts because we've gone over those. And you know what? The stability ball, I'll give you a key, a key or a tip for that one. The stability ball is the best. So different variations of exercises you do, can do for the abdominals on the stability ball. You can't go wrong. Well, you can always go wrong, but you're definitely going to get your most bang for the buck on those. So now, hopefully, you have it written on your belief window that certain exercises will not trim your waist. A combination of proper eating, lowering your body fat, and training will help you see your abdominals and get a smaller waist. That's that power statement because it's pretty long. So if you have any abdominal exercises that you see people do in the gym, then please post it, um, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. Get it to me so I can talk about it here because I bet you there's a lot of other people that um, are doing things incorrectly. And, you know, the potential is great harm. And nobody wants to hurt themselves when they're actually trying to get themselves healthy and in shape. Now, there's a quote here I'm going to take from the article, just in case you don't get over there to read it. Um, there is a whole thought pattern, which we all know is wrong. If you do a whole lot of ab exercises, you'll lose body fat in the ab region. Now, the article that Dr. Kravitz wrote, he basically referenced a couple of studies. Now, I'm going to quote it word for word here. In a landmark study by researchers at the University of Massachusetts, it was conclusively shown that sit-up exercise training does not decrease the diameter of abdominal adipose cells and abdominal subcutaneous fat or abdominal circumference. So therefore, you cannot use ab exercises to selectively lose abdominal fat. Instead, to reduce fat content at any given body site, your total body fat will have to be altered. So there, 100% um, in a study tells you right there, fat is not going to come off of your abdominals by doing abdominal exercises. You can't spot reduce. So do the right exercises, do them the right way, and combine that with healthy eating and a great mindset, and that's how you get the body you want and the waist or abdominals that you want. Now, in our nutrition section, I wasn't kidding when I said, what more can I say about nutrition? We've talked about ratios and food combining, nutrients, individual requirements, vitamins, meal timing, um, exchanges. So covered a lot already. And be honest. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with me. Are you still just eating salads and skipping meals? Well, if so... Do this for me. Take your hand and smack yourself in the head, okay? Because you shouldn't be. Now, are you using the excuse of, I don't have time? Well, you know, that can be valid sometimes. But you know what? Taking maybe a half hour every couple of days or maybe twice a week 
to make a couple of good solid meals for yourself is going to be worth it in the long run. And you know what? It is usually cheaper to cook your own food than to eat out. And you definitely, without a doubt, get more food to eat when you cook it yourself. And, you know, calorie for calorie, your own freshly cooked meal is going to be two or three times the size of a Lean Cuisine or a Weight Watchers meal for the well, same amount of calories. I mean, would you rather have, you know, a chicken breast, a huge bowl of uh, broccoli and salad or mixed vegetables, whatever kind you like, and a small baked potato? Or would you rather have a little teeny-weeny Lean Cuisine frozen whatever? No, you'd rather have the other one. You're going to be a lot more full from the real food because of the fiber, the chewing, the combination of all that. There's a reason why real food works better for weight loss than anything else. You know, even shakes and stuff like that, okay? Real food is going to burn more calories when you eat it. Your body's got to burn more calories to uh, digest it. And you're going to have a lot more to eat without feeling guilty. Now, there's definitely better choices for everything. I mean, sometimes it's good to have things in the freezer just in case because it's obviously better to eat something that's maybe not most ideal, but it's better to do that than to skip a meal. Um, there are certainly a lot of pre-cooked chicken out there and even some microwave steak fries that have really good numbers that are close to the uh, the real thing. And although you, you don't want to make these your mainstays, having a few of them in your frozen part of your freezer, duh, um, for emergency cases is not a bad idea. Okay. It's always like anything else. You kind of, you need to have a backup plan. Now this actually brings us back to our limiting beliefs and you may believe that you don't have enough time to cook or that you're a bad cook. And that may be written on your belief window. Look, I'm not great at cooking either, but I can do the basics and I can pre-make probably about six meals in an hour. Now, I'm not saying that other people are going to want to eat it because it's going to have a lot of flavor, but to me, it tastes good and it's done and I, and I know it doesn't take much time because I've done it. And when I start making that excuse myself that I don't have time, I go back and say, hey, wait a minute, no, it takes an hour to get all of these things done. That is cooking the chicken, cooking the rice, cooking the broccoli, portioning it all out into containers from start to finish, clean up everything, one hour. I know that because I've done it many times for competition training. And when I start using that lame excuse of no time, I remind myself, hey, nah, you can do this. Now, this actually brings me some questions that I want you to answer. And be honest about it as well, because, you know, this is only going to make things better for you. How many meals each week do you cook on your own? And that doesn't mean stick it in the microwave, and that doesn't mean boil it. That means, you know, cook almost from scratch. Okay, how many times do you eat out? Whether you eat healthy or not, how many times do you eat out? How many times do you just completely skip a meal? And there could be a million different reasons why, but just you skip a meal. You know you shouldn't, but you do. And most importantly, how many times do you plan your meals in advance so you know what you're going to be eating and when you're going to be eating? So I'm actually going to put up a survey or a poll um, either on the Facebook page or the podcast or probably both, probably, all, probably everywhere, um, because I definitely want your opinions on this. You know, what do we need to focus for nutrition-wise? Because a lot of times people say they're okay with the nutrition. It's the motivation that they have an issue with. 
But in reality, they're not okay with the nutrition. They're not doing the right things. Kind of like the training. A lot of times people think they're doing the right things for their abdominals, but as we know now, they're not. So let's try to figure out, you know, what the limiting belief is when it comes to nutrition that might be holding you and a whole lot of other people back from success. And then we can change those into some power statements or I am statements and boom, get you on the right track. So as we end up this episode, I just kind of want to remind you from a few things from the beginning. Take a few minutes each day to look at your belief window and your limiting beliefs so that you can change them by making your I am and your power statements. Make sure you go take the poll about your eating habits. That will be either on Facebook, the blog, and the fitness makeover sites, actually all of the above. Quick Fit is returning. There's actually a couple of videos that have been up there for a while. Um, we're trying to smooth everything out. But anyways, I appreciate your patience on that. I know a lot of people really like the workouts and we're getting there, definitely getting there. Um, and if you have any questions about training, nutrition, or otherwise, please hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, um, or just email me. Your questions and comments are really important to me and they also help me figure out what to talk about in the podcast that can help the most people. As always, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I look forward to giving you all the insights to help you reach all of your goals and to help you get your best body ever. If you'd like additional information on these topics and more articles on health, nutrition, and motivation, visit fitnessmakeover.com, allinoneworkout.com, or coachkira.com. <laughs>